the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. No word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to a brand new week on the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And we're here every weekday at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word, to take your phone calls and answer your Bible questions, whatever they might be. Maybe it's questions about something that's going on in your life. We have a few of those that were emailed in to us. Uh, But whatever's on your heart, what we believe as Christians and why, we'll do the best that we can to answer those questions because we want you to have the answers. We want you to fall more in love with Jesus. 340-9585 for your live calls. That's 340-9585. 85. You can also call us toll-free if you're outside the local area by calling 877-630-KSLR at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And if you're driving in your car using the free KSLR mobile app, it's the safest way to do that. Hope you had a great weekend in church. We did. It was a tough message here at Calvary Chapel. It was Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And it was all about testing the sincerity of our love. Is our love genuine? And, um, you know, about halfway through the first service, I thought, well, you know, nobody's going to measure up to this. So then the challenge became not to make everybody feel guilty about it, but but to give them some direction. And um, I, I trust that the Lord... Uh, was pleased. So uh, we had a great study yesterday. Um, People got saved. I pray that people got saved at your church as well. Hey, because it's Monday night, uh, we have our Bible studies resuming after the holiday break. The ladies, it's not a Bible study tonight. It's uh, annually the the Monday that we do our uh, pre-retreat planning. So if you're involved in our ladies' retreat, by the way, Paula told you it was coming up uh, in March, March 8th through the 10th. Uh, if you would like to come, we'd love for you to come. If you'd like to be involved in seeing how it's planned and what's going on uh, tonight at 7 o'clock would be the time to do it. However, all of our other Bible studies are back uh, on track. Uh, Pastor Ken with the men, uh, Pastor Nelly with the high school age youth, and Chris Sanchez will be uh, doing his junior high school Bible study. So if you've got kids, bring them along. It would be a great time uh, for them to study as well. So lots going on here. And finally, we're going to be um, really formally, officially back to normal. School's back in. All the kids were here today. So it was, um, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. By the way, uh, for the men, Pastor Ken's Bible study will be live streamed tonight. Uh, at 7 o'clock, so you can do that at calvaryessay.com. Okay, one more time, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is the first one from our email inbox from Melissa. Um, She says, my husband and I cannot agree on how much to give to the church. He says we should give the directed tithe of 10%, but I disagree. Am I sinning for not giving beyond that amount as that is my desire? Melissa, no, you're not sinning. And I think this is one of the things where a husband and wife really, really need to walk together. You know, Amos 3.3, 3, 
says, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? And these spiritual decisions um, are, are really a matter of partnership. So it's something that you have to um, really, really take to prayer. Now, here's what I would do if I were you. Uh, in recognizing my husband as the spiritual head of the house, I would say to him, uh, I have a desire, God has given me this desire in my heart to give more. Proverbs says a generous man or woman in this case will himself or herself be blessed. So uh, God's put that on my heart, and I recognize that you are more comfortable with giving 10%, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray and seek the heart of God on this. And when you can come to me and tell me that God has given you the direction, uh, I'll support whatever decision you make. But please promise me that this will be a, a subject, uh, a matter that you take to God in earnest prayer. And then leave the onus on him. Don't nag him. Pray for him. Um, um, tell the Lord that you put this desire in my heart to give more. And um, and I'd like to do that, but I also need to honor my husband's leadership in the home. So, Lord, would you please speak to my husband if, in fact, I've heard from you correctly? You know, uh, Melissa, you've listened to the program, uh, obviously, before. And if um, um, you, you have, you've heard me talk about tithing. There is no directed tithe of 10%. That's a Jewish tithe. It's an, a, a responsibility under the law. And I think your heart is more in line with the heart of God. If those who are under law, which condemned us, were instructed to give 10%, and by the way, they actually gave a lot more than 10. That was just one tithe. Um, how much more should we give by understanding grace? Everything we have belongs to Jesus. And most of the time, people who are stuck on the 10%, they're stuck on it because it, it allows them to give, but limits their giving. They never have to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do with your money? And instead, they treat it sort of like, uh, Jesus, I get a dollar, you get a dime. And, and that's really to misunderstand the character of a New Testament tithe. So, um, Melissa, talk to him. Don't make this uh, an area of contention. God understands that he is the spiritual head of your household, but but pray that his heart, that he would share your heart. Um, you cannot give God. We can't give to God to get from God. And yet the principle remains. We cannot give him. He blesses those who are generous. It's just that simple. So I hope that helps. And uh, I'll be praying as well for you, Melissa. Thank you very, very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here is our uh, next question from our mobile app. This one was sent in by Ray. Ray says, "I have questions about what goes on in my life, but is it okay for me to ask questions of God?" Of course, it is. Um, you know, our relationship with God through Jesus Christ is exactly that. It's a relationship. It's a give and take. And I say often, Ray, to our church here that that you can always ask God questions. It's just never okay to question God. God, why did you let this happen to me? God, why don't you bless me? Those, those are not questions. That's, that's questioning God. But God encourages you to ask questions. And by the way, he's got answers for all those questions. And he'll, he'll, as you're in his word, he'll speak to you from, from his word what the answers to those questions are. He wants you to walk without confusion. So, yes, it's perfectly okay to ask God questions. I do it all the time. Now, here's where we have to remember that right stops. We have to be able to ask questions and say, as Jesus did, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. We have to be willing to accept God on his terms, even if we don't get the answers that we want. If we're confused, he still will answer your questions. All we have to do is be content with those answers. Sometimes we don't get answers, Ray, because we don't really want to know the answer. We want God to want what we want. And that's always a recipe for, for failure. But, but if your heart is open, if you can ask God these questions... Just make sure the questions start on your end. Lord, is there anything in me 
that's causing um, what's going on in my life. If it's trials, if it's troubles, if it's confusion, Lord, is there something in me? Paul said to examine uh, our hearts daily and to do so, I would add, continually throughout the day just to be sure that our lines of communication with Jesus are open. So I think it's very important. But yes, it is always okay to ask God questions. Um, Just be prepared for the answer. By the way, if you don't get answers right away, it's because you don't need to know the answers right away. It's not that God is withholding something from you. But a lot of times, Ray, there are things that are going on in our lives that we just can't understand, but they're part of a greater plan that God has. They're part of a plan uh, of God preparing us for things that lie ahead in our future that we know nothing about now, but of course God knows everything about. So go ahead and ask Him questions. Uh, spend some quiet time with Him. Uh, be a man of God's Word. And everything that you need to know, He'll tell you. He won't tell you everything you want to know, but he'll tell you everything that you need to know. And that's where our relationship by faith comes in, where we really, really trust God. So, Ray, I hope that helps a little bit. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Jennifer. Uh, Pastor Ron, can people in heaven look down and see what we're doing? Jennifer, uh, the answer is no, they don't look down and see what we're doing here on earth. Um, If they did that, heaven wouldn't be heaven. Think about it. They get to look at Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 talks about what Jesus looks like when John turned around and I saw the one who was speaking to me. And just among other things, his face was shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. His voice sounded like the voice of many rushing waters. Now that's heaven. But if they had to look down at us and our struggles and our problems, well, then it would cease to be heaven. It would be an earthly focus. And believe me, Jennifer, in heaven, everything is focused on, everything is about Jesus. So they they don't want to look down, and so that's not what they're doing when they get to heaven. You know, Jennifer, it's very comforting, and I know people say these things, you know, well, my mom or my dad or my husband or my wife went to heaven, and I know they're watching out for me. They're not, but Jesus is. Isn't it funny that we get more comfort thinking that a human relative is looking down on us or taking care of us? than knowing that Almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is looking down on us and really is taking care of us and in fact sends angels to minister to us. So Jesus gets all the credit, gets all the glory in heaven. And so no, they're not looking down on us, making sure we're okay. They're looking into the eyes of the lover of their soul. I like that. 340-9585. That's 340-9585. We'd love your calls this week. Charles asks, does God know when we are going to die? And if so, is there anything that we can do about it? Um, Charles, yeah, God knows when we're going to die. But God doesn't cause it. Now, God knows everything. He lives outside of time and space. So he knows the moment we're going to die. Uh, So that can't be changed, but that's not the sort of fatalism outlook, you know, well, since God knows everything, there's nothing I should do or could do. Um, We're to be good stewards over our bodies. We're to be as healthy as we possibly can in order to be available to serve the Lord. Uh, But yes, God knows the exact moment that we're going to die. He's going to be right there waiting for us. We're going to have angels take us into his presence. Uh, But we don't know. And so what we have to do as believers is we have to make the most of every opportunity that we have. Paul says, because the days are short. Another place he says, because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity or redeem the time. Now, physically, again, God doesn't cause our death. He just knows when it's going to happen. Our responsibility is to be as healthy as we can so that that day doesn't come any sooner than it would have to come. We're really, really stressed that here at Calvary Chapel. Charles, it's just something that we need to do. We need to use all of our strength 
to, to be spent on the Lord. And that means that we have to take an active part in being as healthy as we possibly can. Paul says, bodily exercise profiteth little, and that's relative to the, the spiritual exercise that he's exhorting us to participate in. But it does benefit. Uh, Charles, I don't know whether you've heard um, me on this program before or not, but uh, I had my first health um, scare uh, in 2017 ever. I mean, I've been the most healthy person like ever, and 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 uh, I almost died this year. Um, my response to that, having been spared by God, is to work out even harder, to do even more, to try my best to be available for anything that God has for me. I don't want to miss out on anything that he has. So, Charles, keep your body healthy and let the Lord use you for as long as he knows it's going to happen. Here is uh, Dale calling from Jonestown, Texas, on line one. Dale, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. How are you? I'm doing really well, Dale. Thank you. Great. Hey, I had a uh, question. Uh, reading Acts 10, uh, Cornelius, the centurion, uh, it seemed like he was worshiping God before he uh, had been approached by Peter. And I was just wondering, as a centurion, he wouldn't have been a proselyte, I don't imagine, um, but he would have been worshiping the Hebrew God, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was just wondering if you had any insight as to, you know, what, um, how a Gentile could have been good with the Lord uh, before that being revealed to Peter. I, I can do that, Dale, because uh, God bless you for answer, asking the question. Uh, that was my last Friday night study. We started in Acts chapter 10 just this past Friday, this weekend. And uh, it's one of my favorite chapters. You know, it's sort of our, our uh, Christian roots. Uh, we go back to our ancestor, Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman citizen, certainly a Gentile, but he was a what we would call a proselyte or a convert to Judaism, and that would have just happened in the normal course of time. He became convinced uh, in some fashion or form, perhaps by um, uh, being in and around Jerusalem, uh, hearing the stories about Jesus, but he would have been convinced that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob really was God, and um, um, he, he he demonstrated that his faith was genuine by doing good works. His his prayers and his alms to the poor uh, were were said to have come up before God as a memorial. And so he was uh, a man, frankly, would have risked a lot of his position by converting to Judaism. But he was the one, his heart evidently uh, wanted so deeply to know God. He was the one that God chose uh, to use to bring Gentiles into the kingdom of God. It's a magnificent story. Uh, Dale, go to uh, calvarysa.com. And uh, I had a lot of fun with that Bible study last Friday night. You can find it uh, in the teaching section of our uh, of our website. It should be pretty easy to navigate. And I pray that you're blessed by it. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. By the way, Dale, there's another um, um, proselyte, um, um, Simon of Cyrene, uh, is another Gentile, uh, a man from um, um, modern-day Libya, uh, who who made the journey in. The Ethiopian eunuch, we know, was a God-fearing convert to Judaism. And the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek him. And there are just three cases of, of uh, Gentiles uh, who really, really wanted to know this God. And God, of course, answered... Uh, answered their prayers. I think it's really funny. In Acts chapter 10, um, I said in my Bible study Friday night that uh, uh, Acts 10 isn't so much about the conversion of Cornelius as it was about the conversion of Peter. Because Peter was the one who um, told the Lord, no, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He saw all the, the, the food, unclean and clean foods. And, and uh, Jesus said, rise, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. Uh, and then when he was sent to the home of a Gentile, his first words were, you know, it's against our law and traditions for, for me to come into a Gentile home. So why did you call for me? And Cornelius' response was pure gold. 
He said, look, I just had a vision. An angel appeared to me. This is what he said to do. Send for uh, Simon, who is called Peter, and he will tell you what I had to say. And so when Peter got there, Simon had the house full of people that he loved and cared about. And basically what he said was, okay, you start talking. We're going to finish uh, Acts chapter 10 this coming Friday night. So, Dale, thank you very, very much for asking the question. Here is a question from Terry. Uh, He or she says, is God okay with euthanasia when someone is really in pain? Terry, the answer to that is no. He's not okay with euthanasia. Now, here's something that we have to understand. Um, The world thinks differently than we who are believers are supposed to think. We see somebody in pain and we want to end their pain. Uh, We have states that have uh, legalized mercy killing and and, and they present it like it is such a righteous thing to do. We're letting people die with dignity. But Terry, if somebody's in a lot of pain and they're not a believer, isn't it better to live in this earth with pain with still a hope to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior than it is to enter into an eternity that is infinitely worse than any pain they're suffering here on earth. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to, to you as someone who hates any kind of pain. But I have been at deathbeds. I've had the honor of being used by the Lord to introduce people to Jesus just before they actually went to see him. And when... We talk about ending that life or shortening that life. We're actually sentencing them to an eternity in torment if, in fact, they're unbelievers. If this person who's in pain is a believer, well, then we have to exercise faith and say, Jesus, you're going to keep me here as long as you want me here, not a minute longer. And it's okay to say, I'm ready to go. But at at that point, we have to accept his will. God is the author of life. He is the only one who can take life. So what we ought to remember is that what the world calls mercy killing or euthanasia is not merciful at all if, in fact, that person is um, an unbeliever. So very, very, very important question. He is not okay uh, when we take someone's life. I had this question last week as it relates to suicide. The same thing is true. A real Christian can't commit suicide. Now, sometimes they do. The, the enemy and circumstances overwhelm and win. But a real believer has to be told that he or she cannot take their own life because we trust that life is in the hands of God. It's also the same principle, Terry, with abortion. It's why we can never compromise on this issue of abortion. Since 1973, we've killed 65-plus million babies. 65 million. You talk about a holocaust. And yet that makes perfect sense to a world that doesn't know Jesus. So, Terry, the answer to your question is no. Emma wants to know, what did you think of Oprah's speech last night? Uh, Emma, I didn't hear it. I heard uh, one line just as I was uh, uh, going from football game, just the timeouts, turning around to see what what else was on. Uh, she won some special award, and she was given time to speak. Um, and I heard her say, the most important thing we can do is go find, and I'm going to use her words, your truth, she said. And I didn't want to hear any more of that because that's just a new age nonsense that She's famous for espousing, so I can tell you I didn't think much of it. Now, here's what's interesting. Today, in all of the news feeds that I check out uh, online, um, there is a, a, a groundswell of support for Oprah for president in 2020. You see, she gave precisely the message that appeals to people in this world. It, it sounds so inspiring. Go find your truth. Be all that you can be. Stand up for the victim and the marginalized. But you see, that's not Jesus' message. Jesus said, too much is given, much is required. In the context there is much more is required. 
And Oprah has been given a lot in this world. She is brilliant, successful, likable. And what is she doing with these gifts that God has given her? She's squandering them and blaspheming God in the process. So I didn't think anything of it at all until I started seeing the reaction. And uh, I would not be at all surprised if there wasn't an overwhelming show of support uh, for her as a presidential candidate in 2020. And I'll just tell you right now, I know the condition of the world that we live in. She would be an overwhelming winner, perhaps the um, biggest margin of victory in the history of our world. Um, Such is the heart of people in this country. Isn't it silly that we would consider... Well, we had a comic as a senator from Minnesota. Why not a talk show host as a president? Emma, I hope uh, that's the best I can do because I wouldn't spend any time listening to it. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the Monday edition of the program, 340-9585. We'd love to have your live calls and questions. 340-9585, back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program you know sometimes two minutes seems like a long time other times it just flies by but welcome back to the program here is a question from joel or joel uh, is it a sin for a Christian musician to play secular music jobs? Uh, Joel, the answer is no, it's not a sin. Um, if you can do that with a clear conscience, uh, then go ahead and do it. Now, let me um, make a distinction here. Uh, I don't... I want to watch my words... I'm not fond of when people call themselves Christian musicians or Christian comedians or Christian actors. Um, um, I'm a musician who's a Christian. I'm an actor who's a Christian, a comedian who's a Christian. That's fine. But but when we identify ourselves as a Christian musician, we're we're sort of putting ourselves in a place where uh, we can stumble other people if we we step over the secular side. Music is a wonderful gift. Now, I'm not a music person. I love worship in church, but that's really the only time I ever listen to music. Um, but I love the gift, and I love the way that people um, are so uniquely designed by God to do marvelous things. Uh, I'm jealous. I wish I could play music. Um, but Unless the Lord has said specifically to you that that the gift he's given you is only for him, well, then, of course, it's okay to play secular music jobs, make a living. There's no problem with that. Uh, This is between you and the Lord. Romans 14, 23 says anything not of faith is sin. I'll give you one example. Um, um, Jocelyn, who... Uh, sings uh, lead on a lot of our worship songs here at Calvary Chapel, uh, was a, a, a famous uh, rock and roll star, hip uh, dance music star in the in the 90s, um, Billboard top seller, uh, a hu- huge, beautiful, heavenly voice. And now she says, this voice now is for Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean she doesn't sing some of her old songs. She uses some of those old songs and singing to some of her old fans and uses that as a platform to introduce them to Jesus. She shares her testimony. She gives invitations when she performs. Now, people would say, well, she shouldn't be singing secular songs. Uh, but, but, but it's not a secular song if it's being used for Jesus. So that's, you know, if you've got the gift, you enjoy it, do it. If you get paid for it, great. But maybe it's just better to identify as a Christian who plays music and loves music 
and do it as unto the Lord. So, uh, Joel, it's fine. You know, I, I at one time um, really strongly believed that um, the worship pastor here at our church, um, and I go back almost 23 years, would never play bars or saloons and things like that. I, I just didn't want anybody coming to the church on on uh, Sunday morning and perhaps having seen Saturday night, the guy up on the stage praising Jesus, singing Barry Manilow song Saturday night. Um, but I would never ask that of anybody else. Uh, my worship pastor now and uh, is a son to me and and um, um, we talked about this from the very beginning, and his heart is completely committed here to the ministry and to the work and the gift that God has given him. But uh, I, I would never say that to anybody else. Uh, music is a gift. Use it. That would be like saying I'm a fast runner, uh, but because I'm a Christian, I can't go run anymore. Uh, of course, use your gifts and make sure God gets the glory. So I hope that is simple enough, Joel. Here is a question from Michael. He says, does God speak to us in any other way than through his words? Yeah, he does, Michael. I, I want to be careful to be understood correctly here. Um, God speaks to our heart. Uh, the Spirit bears witness with his, with the Holy Spirit that, that we are sons of God. Uh, he gives direction. Sometimes he'll speak to us in dreams or in visions, not frequently, but at times. Um, sometimes he'll just place something on your heart that you know is from him, and, and that doesn't come through his word. But having said that, nothing that God speaks to your heart that is really from God will contradict what his word says. I've had people come to me in the past, uh, Michael, and say, well, God told me it's okay to get a divorce. And I said, well, did your husband or your wife cheat? No, they didn't. Are they abusing you? No, they didn't. But God wants me to be happy. And I can tell them that that's not God. That's the spirit, the unholy spirit of the enemy. Nope, I'm sure it was God. But it can't be God because it contradicts what, what he's already spoken to us in his word. So that's where we have to be careful. In First John chapter 4, verse 1, we're told to test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. And I think something that we don't like to acknowledge, uh, Michael, is that there there's demonic spirits out there screaming at us all the time. And sometimes we can be pretty convinced they sound just like God. So how do we test it? We test it by the word. So if it doesn't contradict with the Bible, then we can entertain the possibility, even maybe the probability, that this is God speaking to your heart. But the primary way, abundantly so, the primary way God will speak to us is through his word, as you suggested in the way that you asked the question. Let me say one other thing here, Michael. Um, the Lord has spoken to me distinctly not audibly he doesn't do that but he has spoken sometimes so clearly that it may as well have been audible there's just those times that you know you just know that that was from the Lord um, in my almost 27 years with Jesus um, there's been maybe a dozen times When I'm in the Word of God, He's spoken to me literally hundreds, if not thousands of times. So that's why we have to be very careful and test the Spirit. And you know what? If you think you hear something from the Lord and it turns out not to be Him, um, it's okay. We see through a glass dimly now, we're told in 1 Corinthians 13. So we're expected to make those mistakes. Just be really careful of saying, God said, or God told me. Just sort of file it away. If it comes from God, praise the Lord. But if it's not from God, don't take ownership of it. Don't let the enemy say, well, see, you never heard from God because you were wrong about this. Um, if you've got a Bible in your hand and heart, you'll know when something that he speaks to you 
is really from him. You know, the, there were there were several times early in my walk with the Lord, first time the Lord ever spoke something directly to my heart, and 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 He was shouting it at me. The first time was um, a pretty new believer, just a couple of months old in the Lord. I used to be really obese. And the Lord said, get your body in shape. We've got work to do. Um, another time that was just that clear was when he told me to begin praying for the people of San Antonio, Texas, when we'd never been to Texas, didn't know anybody in Texas, and never wanted to come to Texas. That was March 4th, 1994. It was so profound. I was out alone in the mountains with God at Bible College. Just wanted to hear from him. Just wanted to tell him I love him and spend some time. He spoke so profoundly to me that I wrote it in my Bible and dated it because I never wanted to forget it. And there have been other times when the Lord has spoken really, really clearly, but but they're in the dozens, not hundreds category. So, Michael, I hope that answers your question. 340-9585 from our mobile app. Here's a question that just came in from John. Are there prophets in the world today? Uh, John, the answer is no in the sense of the Old Testament prophets. Um, The early church had prophets. Uh, All of the writers of our Bible were prophets. Um, Philip had four daughters who were prophetesses. There was a dramatic prophet named Agabus. So we have their names. But they served a purpose for a time. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that they were the, the the foundation, prophets and apostles, were the foundation already laid that the church is currently being built on. That's the Greek grammar. And Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. If, if This has always helped me, John. I, I imagine Jesus sort of in the corner of, of a foundation that's being laid. And he's got his two hands out, and one hand is the prophets, and the second hand are the apostles. And they finish laying that foundation. It's almost like Jesus can say, now we can build the church. We don't have to lay another foundation. These prophets and apostles are the foundation. So if anybody tells you they're a New Testament prophet or they're a New Testament apostle, uh, we know that they're not speaking um, from the Lord. It's just that simple. Now... There is the gift of prophecy. And I don't want to confuse you, John, but uh, the gift of prophecy, having that gift, does not make one a prophet. The gift of prophecy is the, the foretelling of God's word, not the foretelling of the future, as the Old Testament prophets did. The foretelling of God's word. So if somebody is exercising the gift of prophecy... Um, scripture is going to be coming from their mouth. It's going to be encouraging, strengthening, edifying. Uh, and, and those are people that we desperately need in the church. But that doesn't make them a prophet. When you see on so-called Christian television, you see, uh, listen on radio, and you see these people uh, pronounce themselves as prophets or apostles, they are false teachers. And it's easy biblically to identify who they are. So there are not prophets. Now, let me give you one more scenario. In the end, when God again turns his attention to Israel, then there's going to be prophets come back. And the prophets are going to have the same message that the Old Testament prophets did, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is God the Son. We know that Moses and Elijah are going to come back. They're the two witnesses from Revelation chapter 11. We also know that there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists who will be prophets declaring, thus saith the Lord, and the message will be tied into uh, a call to repentance and the gospel message that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead after they crucified him. So there are not prophets today, Ephesians 2.20 and forward, nor are there apostles but the gift of prophecy still exists. So, John, I hope that's clear. It's a little confusing. We see the gift of prophecy, and we think, obviously, that makes one a prophet. That's not the case. Now we have the full and complete word of God. And so the need for 
uh, the New Testament prophets that were the foundation of the church has passed. 340-9585, Anonymous asks this question, are people basically good? Wouldn't we like to believe that? Wouldn't we like to believe that those that the people are basically good at heart? It would make us feel so much better about ourselves. But Anonymous, here's what the Bible says. There is none good, no one, not even one. No one seeks after God. So the answer is no. We are sinners. Now, it's true that there are some people that are better than others. Certainly, almost everybody listening to my voice today is a better person than I am. My flesh hasn't gotten one bit better in the 27 years or nearly 27 years that I've been walking with Jesus. So, no, in my flesh is no good thing. On the other hand, the one who is good lives in me. And by the power of the Spirit, I have tremendous capacity, Anonymous, to do good. But no, people are not basically good. We are sinners who want our way, and we want it now. Yesterday in church service, uh, between first and second service, uh, Amanda, who is this beautiful, beautiful little baby girl gift from God, uh, I was talking to her and her husband, David, and uh, the baby was in the sanctuary, and uh, and and Amanda looked at me with a big smile, and she says, she started walking. Now, Amanda, you'll remember, some of you will remember, um, this is a miracle baby. This is a baby that we prayed for so much. Her name is Michaela, and um, she was uh, just the most prayed-for baby, I think, ever here. And uh, when the, the pregnancy became healthy and looked like she was finally going to have this child, we were so delighted, and this girl is just a beautiful, beautiful little girl. You look at her and you think she's an angel. But here's what Amanda said. I said to her first, oh, she started walking, your life will never be the same. And then Amanda said, Michaela's changed too. Now all she wants is to do what she wants to do. See, it doesn't take long for even babies, the best of babies, to prove that we're sinners at heart. So no, anonymous people are not basically good. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here is a question from Dinah. I hope I'm saying that right, Dinah or Dina. Um, Pastor Ron, do you recommend Jesus Calling by Sarah Young? Uh, absolutely not, Dinah. I, I absolutely don't. It is an unbelievably popular book. I think it's in its third or fourth printing. Uh, it is overwhelmingly popular with women. And it disturbs me because women, I think women of God should be more discerning. Um, uh, I personally don't think, now I don't know this woman, so uh, this is just, uh, uh, the, the sense I get, I've read the book. Um, I, I don't think it's her intent to to deceive. Uh, I don't think there is a, uh, um, a wicked bone in her body. Um, but... She's representing this as Jesus' direct words to her and representing to her audience. Now, this has multiplied millions of people who bought this book. She's representing to her audience that this is Jesus speaking through her to them. And it places them above, or at least at the same level, as the inspired scripture of God. So it, it's not a good book. It's not healthy. And I would uh, ask you, Diana, to stay away from it. Um, it. It's just not something that I can recommend. Jesus Calling by Sarah, I think it's Sarah P. Young. Here is a question from, let me see, um, Daniel on line one from San Antonio. Daniel, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. I was going to ask you a couple of questions. I um, just thought want to know what your opinion is. Um, okay, for one, if like you know when animal, your pet or your animal dies. I know you've commented on this, but I couldn't remember what your answer was, what your thoughts were on it. But you know how some people ask if your pets go to heaven. I get asked and all the time. I, you know, I. What's that? I get asked all the time. Okay. Well, 
I mean, you know, I, I was thinking, I said, well, you know, I know that God created the animals, you know, but, you know, I, I don't know if the Bible necessarily speaks to that. I know the Bible is usually, it's like a record of God dealing with man, you know, mm-hmm. so there's some things it doesn't plainly tell us, right? But, so I didn't know what your opinion on that was. And then another thing was, um, what if, if someone, you know, in, in the Bible, you know, the Bible speaks, says that sometimes, you know, Christians, they heard the voice of an angel that told them to do this or that or, you know, and, and if somebody ever experienced, I mean, would, you know, could, I guess maybe at one time they thought it was God's voice, but now maybe it was an angel's voice. I don't know. You know, what would you say to that person? And then, I mean, like an audible voice, because I know you were talking about mm-hmm. that earlier. Because I know, you know, there's instances like that in the Bible. But, and then also, um, I'll just let you speak on that. Okay. Thank you, Daniel. appreciate the questions. Let me deal with the pets first, because that's an easy one. I do think the Bible speaks very directly to this, that, that the animals were given to man as a gift from God to enjoy. We're to nurture them and care for them, and I think it's a wonderful gift. Now, Daniel, I say this as a dog person. Paul and I uh, had the best experience in the world with a dog, 15 years, a, a big dog, a faithful dog. He was with us, uh, and he was truly a gift from the Lord to us, and it pained us to watch him um, grow old and and um, get to the place where, where he had to be put down. Uh, but we love this dog with all of our heart. And in fact, God used this dog to teach me a whole lot about being a pastor. Um, so we, we, we had the dog, uh, but, but he was God's gift to me and to Paula, to our boys. Um, but, but only humans are said to be made in the image of God. Now, angels are made um, uh, holy from, from, from the beginning. Um, they all had a one-time choice. A third of the angels rebelled against God. We call them demons. Two-thirds of the angels remain in their first estate. But only humans, we're told, are made in the image of God. And and one of the, the, the two things that being made in the image of God means is that um, we, we're going to live somewhere forever. The minute we, we become, um, we have life on this planet, we're going to live forever somewhere. Um, it's not said uh, of, of animals. It's not said of any other species. It's one of the reasons I know that there are no extraterrestrials out there. Uh, only man is made in the image of God. So pets are not going to be in heaven. Uh, if any person, and I, I, I'm going to exclude children here because I understand the sentiment, but if any mature Christian thinks that they're going to need their dog uh, to um, um, enjoy heaven. They, they, they just don't understand heaven at all. They've got no concept of what heaven is about. So uh, I think the Bible speaks very, very clearly. The other question is, we know the Bible has given us many examples of angels who have spoken. Uh, we, we know that uh, in Daniel's case, for example, I don't mean Daniel the caller, I mean Daniel the prophet from the Old Testament. In his case, uh, the voice of the angel was so powerful and so strong, he fell down as dead. There is no doubt he thought that was the voice of God until the angel cleared it up. I am but a servant of the Most High God. So, um, yes, people have heard audible voices um, from um, angelic beings. Uh, Certainly we hear voices from uh, evil, demonic fallen angels, um, but the, the way we know two things, the way everybody who, who heard the voice of an angel knew it was from God, was that angel pointed them to God, the angel took no credit or glory to himself, um, and, and the angel then pointed to God in a salvation sense, a salvific sense, so um, uh, that's how we would know. Uh, an angel who comes from God would never say anything that contradicts the word of God, um, imagine what it was like for Mary. Hail Mary. You are highly favored by God. Um, but the angel then quickly points to the ministry. And that ministry is going to be consistent with and validated by what goes on in Scripture. We're inside 
three minutes now, about two and a half minutes here. So let, let me tell a story, Daniel, that I think will, will help you understand. It's a different, it's not voices, but it's, it's a fragrance that I'm going to talk about. Um, just before I got saved, there were two occasions that I can recall. Paula may, may be able to recall more, but, but uh, two that I know her life was, was a mess because I made it a mess. My life was spinning out of control. And when things were really, really, really horrible for her, remember, she prayed for me for 13 years. And when things were really, really horrible, there were two occasions that I remember very vividly where she said, do you smell that? Do you smell that? And I said, no, I don't smell anything. And she actually, it was so profound, the smell, that that she went looking for it. And she said that she thought she smelled Jesus. Well, my opinion, for whatever it was worth, uh, after I got saved many years, is that, that I believe that Paula was smelling an angel. It was sort of a message from God telling her that the, the, the darkness is is pretty near an end and light is coming and I think that was just uh, God's way of of refreshing her Um, uh, God's way of letting her know that he's heard her prayers Uh, and uh, I wish you could have seen her face on both of those occasions I mean she went on a mission to find out the source of that fragrance Uh, and I'm convinced to this day that that was the fragrance that was emitted by an angel that was sent by God to comfort her Uh, when she most needed it. So Daniel, thanks for the questions. I appreciate it very, very much. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Delighted to have the privilege of coming to you every single day and even more delighted that you take the time to listen. Remember, women's retreat planning meeting tonight, our men's Bible studies and youth Bible studies, 7 o'clock. See you then. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.